Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Sex Wrap, your favorite podcast about sex, sexual health, relationships, and everything related to that. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Spring. How are you today? I am having a great day. Today is a Tuesday, which is a lot better than a Monday. And I'm going out of town this weekend because friends are coming and a lot of good things are on the horizon. It's kind of cool. You know, like I said, my life is really busy and hectic, but there are these like little sparkly moments that I kind of look forward to. Um, I love seeing you every week. For those of you who don't know, Spring and I are old, old, old friends. Um, we're both, Some of us are older than others. I know. She's, she's, <laughs> she's something. Mm. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're both sex researchers. Uh, it's what we do for a living. We talk about sex. We breathe sex. We write about sex. And we talk to all of you about sex. If you're new to our podcast, every week what we do is uh, we answer your questions. Um, and we have tons of them submitted. But if you have any question at all, uh, feel free to send us an email or contact us on social media or you can call us and um, what we do is we try to answer the ones that are most pressing um, sometimes the most interesting sometimes the funniest sometimes just the one that like that's what we want to talk about today but <laughs> but this is all about you and what you've submitted so thanks for submitting the questions we love talking with you about them um, and today I think we have a really important one so today what are we talking about spring well so we got a question that and sometimes You'll also know this if you've listened before. Sometimes the questions have a lot of details and sometimes they have very few details. And so we try to answer the whole complexity of a question. Um, so the question we got today was, the first time that I had sex, it was traumatic. And now I want to try again, but I'm afraid. So we don't know a lot about, you know, what was actually traumatic for this person. So as we answer this question today, we'll go through, you know, a lot of the things that could have happened on the first time and what that could bring up for someone and then how to try to move past those things. So I think something that's really important to talk about when we talk about the first time people have sex is that the vast majority of people have some kind of either negative or anxious or traumatic response to it, right? So people pretend that it was great and perfect and like, nah. When we actually start to talk to people about what their first attempts at sex were like, it's pretty negative. And for women and men, there's there's different responses that they have. Um, so for women, most of the time, their number one response is guilt and shame, right? And those in and of themselves are pretty traumatic responses. And for men, anxiety is their number one response. And then pleasure is number two. So men have a different experience than women, but like three of the top uh, responses that we get from people that are relatively traumatic are shame, guilt, and anxiety, so when we start talking about sex overall, it's important to, for us to say everybody has, not everyone, but the vast majority of people have some kind of trauma. Yeah. And I mean, that is, I think, true for a lot of sexual interactions, you know, and it's, um, this doesn't have to be, have some, have been the first time. It could be the first time with a new partner. It could be the first time like in a while. So if you're thinking, you know, oh, 
I am way past my first time. This doesn't apply to me. Um, I think you'll be surprised because we all kind of um, have these little points of trauma around sexual interactions. So we want to talk about um, what those look like, how they affect us, and how we can get past them. And since we don't really have context, like Spring said earlier, um, when I read this question, I'm like, well, maybe we should start breaking it down into some of the different ways that people do experience trauma, right? And it kind of is like the good, the bad, and then the criminal when we're really starting to break them down. Um, And I think the first part that I want to talk about today is just some of those psychological issues that can arise because we know that people feel a lot of shame and guilt, but we also have people who have a lot of disgust, right? Like, oh, what did I do? I feel terrible about myself. My whole life I was told I shouldn't be doing that. It isn't okay to be having sex. Anal sex isn't okay. Sex with boys isn't, whatever it is, right? There's all of these negative psychological issues that can be really traumatic for people. There's also um, a lot of fears that can come up and be really traumatic about sex too. Um, we can talk about something like a pregnancy scare or an STD scare, right? Like there's a lot of fear and anxiety surrounding it. And all of those emotions can make it really scary to jump back in for the second time. Um, and those psychological issues can take a lot of work to sort of unpack and get over because through most of our lives, like if you think about it, as we're growing up, most of us get almost completely negative messages about sex, right? You're not supposed to do it until you're married. Which is why we have this podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. Like we're trying to give you a positive message. Uh, right, we're told our whole lives, you're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to enjoy it. You're supposed to wait until marriage. You're only supposed to have it with one person ever. Uh, like, all of those messages are negative. And even if you don't buy into those, like even if you don't feel like you believe that. So say your parents have taught you that you shouldn't have sex until you're married. And then even if you think, I don't believe that, that's not necessarily true. And that's not true for me. Once you start having sex, you could still experience some of this guilt and shame because you have been conditioned to think that. And and it doesn't mean that you believe it. It means that you have this conditioning that's been going throughout your life that your body is then responding to. So it is like very complex to think about like, oh, it's not possible that I could be feeling this guilt or shame because I don't, you know, I don't believe these things. Well, unfortunately, that's not how it works. <laughs> It's that, that that little naggling voice inside of your head that gives you doubts or makes you feel ashamed, right? Like, I believe that I am an outgoing, forthright, extroverted, happy person. And still, because of events that have happened in my life, there's negative, you know, like that little, that little negative evil voice in your head that casts doubt. Um, and like the world around us casts all kind of doubt. I mean, and I think with these psychological issues, we could start talking about like the proliferation of negative images on social media and how those make you feel. Um, I mean, when I think about psychological issues, there's a lot of people who are really uncomfortable with their bodies. They don't want to be naked. They want to have sex with the lights off. They want to have sex under blankets. They don't want anyone to see who they are. Um, and a lot of that is because we've been conditioned to feel that we're not good enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not sexy enough, we don't have the muscles, we're too fat, we're too skinny. It doesn't matter, right? We as people, we're covered in bumps and none of us have that perfect image of a body because that's not a real image anyway. We've talked about it on previous episodes, but those images that you see on Instagram are photoshopped with models. And I mean, 
And, and those psychological issues really do make us afraid to attempt to have sex again. So what do you what do we do when someone has these kind of psychological issues? Yeah, I mean, so the things that we're doing right now is we're starting to what we call unpack these emotions, right? So when we have a strong emotion, whether it's negative or positive, we can start to try to understand it. And where is this emotion coming from? And what are all the things that are contributing to this emotion? Or what are all the things that could even potentially be contributing to this emotion. And so if you had a strong um, psychological response, any type of strong emotion after that first time that you had sex or the first time you returned to sex or the first time you had sex with a new partner, the first thing is to kind of unpack that. So what are what are all these things? What are all the issues here? And so when you fully start to understand an emotion, it, first of all, it takes away some of that power, right? It takes away some of the strength and that valence of the like, ah, <laughs> that, that emotion can cause. Um, but then you can also start to see, okay, what do I need to feel resolved from this emotion as well? Right. Like if you were having really serious fears about pregnancy or an STD, right? Like if they were overwhelming and you didn't think you could have sex again because you were really afraid of either getting someone pregnant or getting pregnant, you can if you if you take a step back right and if you look at the emotions in the situation you say like well hold on i can come up with a plan to deal with this right there's lots of ways to prevent pregnancy and stds just like there's lots of ways to kind of unpack right guilt and shame like why do i feel so guilty about doing this completely natural healthy normal very human thing right and you start to question all of those negative messages and look at where they came from. I mean, it's one of those things that with the guilt and the shame, the people who are making us feel guilty and ashamed of our bodies and our sex are out there having sex. And they did. I mean, it's just really crazy. The hypocrisy that our society has, especially when we're talking about sexual education and these psychological issues. But like Spring said, you can work on unpacking them, think about them and think about where they came from from and are they worth you like focusing on or are they the kind of things that you need to say like, well, I need to work on getting rid of this. Do I need to talk to a therapist? Do I need to talk to my friends? Do I need to write it down in a journal? Do I need to talk about my sexual partner? Do I have to laugh about it? There's lots of strategies depending on how strong that emotion really is. Yeah. And so I think, you know, once you start to understand it, then um, you can also start to understand maybe where they're coming from, where these like messages have been coming from. And I think that helps too. So like Andrew was saying, um, these people that are making you feel ashamed or guilty. And if you can start to understand, you know, even some of their actions and why they might be doing that, like their own guilt or their own things that they've been taught. Um, it also starts to make you feel more empathetic and it, it doesn't start. So what we don't want to do is just blame somebody else for, you know, whatever these emotions are, whatever these responses are, because that actually doesn't help us get through it. So as we start to understand this, we really want to fully understand, you know, what's happening here so that we can then make plans to address those. So the psychological things, I think in in some ways are some of the easiest ones because it is, it's just like some reflection and some planning on your part. Um, it's, it's, 
uh, something that you have to work through. There's definitely work involved there, but um, it's all, you know, something that you can do on your own, that you can like spend time reflecting, writing, kind of journaling and start to get to the bottom of for yourself. And a little bit later in the episode, we're going to talk about some of the the larger kinds of psychological trauma that can people have under the criminal category. But we need to take a short break and we'll be right back to continue talking about how to overcome some of this trauma and try sex again. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, so today we're talking about uh we had a listener who wrote a question about sexual trauma. They had it the first time they had sex. They want to try it again, but they're afraid and how to get over that fear. So he talks about some of the psychological issues. Um, I think we should talk about some of the physiological ones too. Like what are some of like the physical things that can happen? And there's a lot of overlap between these as well. We talked about anxiety. Anxiety is physical and psychological, right? So some of the things that you do to treat anxiety are physical things. But when it comes to physiological issues, we can start talking about things like um, there was some pain, right? Like it hurt or there was blood and I didn't know how to deal with the blood or perhaps there is a man and he had premature or rapid ejaculation. Um, or, uh, it's very frequent. The first time people have sex that there's no orgasm, it might've felt good, but they, you didn't get to the finale that you were expected or didn't look like what you expected in terms of porn or what your friends might've talked to you. Um, and there's also, uh, issues of erectile dysfunction, men not being able to get and maintain an erection. Um, and then, there's all kinds of other things, fluids and smells. Um, did I catch an STD, right? So they, this is another, is it psychological or physiological? There's a lot of interplay between the two. So what do we, what do we do to start to address some of these psychological issues? I mean, physiological, right? Yeah. Isn't that what I said? The physiological? Yeah. <laughs> the physiological. So the things that are like, we can think of these as like biological, the things that are like with the actual physical body, right? Um, so I mean, one thing I think the first thing I would say is, um, this is normal. <laughs> so we start to normalize this, right? Like all of these things are normal things, you know, that happen uh, during sex. So it's normal, you know, to sometimes have blood. It's normal to have like concerns about um, erections or to have early orgasms or early ejaculations and, you know, to be concerned about STDs or pregnancy. Like this is like, this is all part of sex. Like, so first of all, if something that you feel like happened and it feels like, oh, this is traumatizing me, this is so bad. First of all, just know it's normal. <laughs> These things are just part of the human condition of sex. Um, so, and, and sometimes there's degrees. So pain, if pain comes up the first time you have sex, really think about what kind of pain it is. Is it unbearable pain? Is it discomfort? Is it a new sensation that, that you're not used to yet? There's lots of different ways that we can look at it. And we know that the first few times that people have sex, there there is a greater chance, especially for uh, people with vaginas, uh, that there can be additional pain. But there's also a lot of strategies to deal with it, like spend more time doing foreplay, use more lubricant, get more excited, go really slow, right? Like there's lots of things that you could do. Some of that requires talking to your partner. And we know often the first time you're having sex, you're having sex with somebody who also is not really very experienced and has no idea what they're doing, which means laughing about it, talking about it, making it normal to know that there's a whole wide range. Um, 
like I said a few minutes ago, I think that people get a lot of really weird messages by learning about sex from pornography because in pornography, none of those things ever happen. But in real life, you are guaranteed to run into these things in a semi-regular basis, depending on who, what, where, why, and when you're having sex. So blood also can happen. Um, Vaginas and anuses, there can be a little bit of blood here and there. And that little bit of blood can be completely normal, right? It can be from menstrual cycle. It could be uh, if it's the very first time and you have some of your hymen left. Uh, It could be the breakage of the hymen could have a little bit of blood, blood. But that blood is normal and you know, the big solution to blood most of the time, especially if it's just a little bit and once in a while and not linked to anything else, is a towel. Solution! Or lube. Oh, or, <laughs> or right. We, we love lube. We have episodes about lube. But uh, like, there's lots of things that you can really do to address some of those issues. Um, if we talk about rapid ejaculation, premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, especially in young men, those are symptoms of anxiety. Yep. Yeah. Related straight back to what we were just talking about. <laughs> and it makes sense that someone would be anxious too, right? Like this is for right. a lot of people, it's a it's a bigger deal than it needs to be. Like it's a huge deal. I'm a man. I'm an adult. It's my first time. Oh my God. It's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. I'm going to love. Oh no. <laughs> right. So, you know, if any of these physical things have happened, um, know that it's normal and then go to one of our other episodes specifically about that issue so you can really learn more in depth because we have some episodes about all of these things. Um, But also I think that, you know, um, if you're thinking like you want to try to have sex again. So this question was, you know, the first time it was traumatic in some way, but I want to try again. Um, You're already like working through that, right? You're, if you're saying I'm ready to try again, that's great. Um, And then just know that of course there's a possibility that whatever happened the first time, psychologically, physiologically, whatever might happen again. Um, But also that, that isn't a reason not to try again. Yeah. Now, in the case of things, in some of these, if they happen persistently, like if the pain is unbearable, if there's never an erection, if there's never an orgasm, like there can be some other issues. But the first few times if these things happen, usually... It's not a big deal, right? And they happen to everybody. Like people can have been in relationships for 20 years and these can just pop up in the middle of nowhere, right? Because human bodies are complicated, sex is complicated, and our bodies can't perform to 100% of their best sexual capabilities every single time we engage, right? We're not sex machines, even though... (laughs) make us look like them so once again these are normal all right let's talk about some of the social issues that can happen that can cause some pretty significant trauma the first time you have sex yeah i mean these this is some this is my favorite category to talk about here these things that you know might have happened while you were having sex so maybe a parent or um another friend or family member walked in while you were having sex you got caught maybe you got in trouble um maybe after you had sex with that person they ghosted you and they never oh. followed up with you or maybe they dumped you after that sexual interaction maybe someone used you in some way um, or maybe the person who you had sex with was just a jerk. <laughs> and uh, That's not the word I would use, but thank you for, for, for that. Uh, 
No, I mean, there's a million social issues and all of these can cause lasting trauma, right? Because it Mm. sort of creates that social wound. Someone spread rumors about you at school. Someone slut shamed you for it. Your mom or your dad caught you and grounded you and threw the person out of the house and forbade you from ever seeing them. Now, we know none of that actually works in the long run, like like you're going to continue to engage in sex, but it can make it make you really afraid to have it. I mean. I remember when I started becoming sexually active, finding good places was hard because there was a lot of fear around getting caught. Yeah. Mm. And do you have a kink about that now? Just kidding. Don't tell us. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm a germaphobe. So for me, it needs to be like a pretty clean space. So... Um, okay. So with, if we had some of these, any of this kind of social interaction happen, I mean, um, one thing that I would say that we, so like one of the things that we're kind of doing in the first place in all of these, um, categories is like acknowledging and, um, and accepting, you know, what's happened. So like, okay, I got caught that time. And again, like that doesn't mean I'm going to get caught every time I have sex or that jerk ghosted me, but like that doesn't mean everyone who I have sex with is going to ghost me. So like there's some acknowledgement here about, you know, that this, that this thing happened and that that doesn't, you know, write a script for the rest of my life. And also to think about, you know, what was it about that specific person? Um, because all of these things are like involving somebody else, right? So somebody else um, responded poorly in some way, right? And even if it was like you got caught, like there was probably someone responding poorly there, whether it was a parent or the person who caught you or the person you were engaging with, like that that's the reason that it feels traumatic to you. So what is it about, you know, that other person that actually um, helped to create this trauma. And so as we again, start to understand that, that also, it takes away some of that power, right? Like when you start to understand why you're feeling this way, but then also um, as you understand kind of that poor interaction, that can also help prevent like positive or prevent um, negative responses in the future. Like if you understand, you know, if you're in this situation again, like, let's understand how someone could have responded in that stupid way. (laughs) They're just going to call it a stupid way. (laughs) Right. I mean, we're not saying it's okay for someone to ghost you or dump you or use you for sex, but something that I hope happens is you do a little bit of reflection. Like what got me to the situation? What made me say, yes, why did I select this person? Right. Because you chose to have sex with them. This is something that you did of your own volition. Um, like, what can I do to prevent this in the future? How can I better screen my sex partners to make sure that they're not a jerk, that they're having sex with me because they value sex and want to have fun and like me as a person, not that they are just using me for a body part. So, uh, and then there's some broader issues like with slut shaming or people spreading rumors at school. Um, it's one of those things where people start those rumors and it seems like it's a big deal, but Sometimes it's because they're jealous. And the other thing is that it's also completely normal. All of those people who are spreading rumors or slut shaming are out there having sex too. Like it's just kind of this weird projection that they do. And and I don't want to dismiss these social issues because they can cause a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. for people, lasting trauma for people, people really terrified of that kind of societal rejection again. I mean, you can come to us and listen to us. We love you regardless of what's going on um, in terms of 
getting caught or spreading rumors. And I think sluts are awesome. What do you call it? Well, like, what's a slut? Uh, someone who wants sex and, and gets it and takes what they want. I mean, like, yeah, that's great. But uh, I mean, these are really harmful things that happen, right? Because they're about learning how to cope with and deal with rejection that you didn't see coming at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And rejection is really, uh, I mean, once again, this is a mix of psychological and social issues. Um, but the the more you date and the better you get to know yourself and the better that you get to know other people before you have sex with them, it really reduces the overall chance of getting ghosted or dumped or used by a jerk. Yeah. And so, and I just want to like do a little bit of a wrap up from like all of that before we move on to the criminal. So thinking about like the psychological, the physiological, these social issues, like all of these different things that have caused some sort of trauma um, and thinking about moving forward. If you're moving forward with the same partner, so the partner that that first thing happened with, (laughs) then I would say that the longer you go without talking about it with that person, then the more traumatic it's going to feel like. So you want to be able to have that conversation and address this thing that happened if that's a partner that you are wanting to engage again with. Um, that's like an ongoing partner in some way. And so there is this... Uh, factor of um, avoidance, that when you're avoiding something that feels traumatic or negative to you, that it actually starts to gain in power and that kind of avoidance and that um, space between you and that person begins to amplify. So if that's something that you want to do, then it is important to start to have conversations with that person as soon as possible, um, as soon as you feel safe doing that and starting to bring up, you know, some of these things that we talked about um, reflecting about. It's really that communication piece that we talk about so frequently on all of our shows. And one of the most effective ways to get over trauma or to prevent trauma or to heal from it is to have real meaningful conversations, both with sexual partners. And then if you have really good friends, you know, there's another really effective way. Um, And even if you need it, there are therapists who focus on helping people get through some of these kind of early sexual traumas and move on to happier, healthier, sexy, or happier, healthier sex-based relationships. All right. So we need to take a short break, but we're going to be right back for the last segment of our show today. Welcome back, everybody. So we've been talking about psychological, sociological, and physiological (laughs) issues um, that underlie some of the trauma that people experience the first time that they may have sex and why it might prevent them from trying it again, right? And all of those are completely normal. Everybody faces various levels of those. um, And the strategies to cope with them are pretty similar, right? Like being reflective, thinking about it, talking about it, talking about your partner, learning from things in the past and not making the same kind of decisions again. Um, Notice I didn't say mistake. I said decision. Like you can change the decisions and change the outcome. This last category, though, Uh, we've talked about it in previous episodes, but it needs to be its own section. Um, And this is the criminal section that I didn't want to lump in with normal psychological, physiological, or social issues, right? And by criminal, um, we mean uh, people who are victims of rape or sexual assault, people who have been drugs, 
uh, drugged, people who have sex under the influence of alcohol, people who have sex, who have been coerced into it. All of these are criminal acts that can cause lasting damage and trauma. And the simple uh, kind of you know, mindfulness and reflection and com- or in discussion with your, you know, your friends and sexual partners. That's not how we get someone through this. Right. So getting through a trauma that has these criminal um, factors associated with it is, is much more complicated. And I mean, we also have several episodes about this and it, it warrants a whole episode or several episodes in itself to really think about. Um, but I mean, I think the first part is recognizing, you know, the opposite of everything that we've said so far in this episode. So that this is not normal, um, that you should not expect this to happen again, you know, so that's part of the, um, recovering from this as saying, you know, this was a criminal, terrible thing that happened to me. And that, also, um, I should not expect that to happen again in future scenarios. And so um, there is still a lot of processing. There is still a lot of acknowledgement and a lot of conversations that you want to have about these things. Um, but it is it is taking some of the power back when you start to say like, this is something that was that was not okay. And that, um, I am a survivor. I made it through that. I'm getting through this. I'm moving on and starting to own that role as a survivor and thinking about what that means for you. And it does mean something different for everyone, but we do know that most of the time, uh, people have a really hard time recovering on their own. And that if you don't work on this, work on it, it, um, with group therapy, work on it with a counselor, um, often this can cause lasting damage, uh, in terms of, uh, intimate sexual relationships, but also in other close relationships in your life as well. Cause this is the kind of trauma that changes the way that you're able to trust and interact with everyone, with all people. Um, so I, it's very important that if you've been a victim, right, of any of these criminal uh, kinds of trauma uh, or criminal acts, um, that you you talk to somebody and that you get help. And I think that we're at this really interesting point where there's uh, so many great new ways that you can get help as well. I think that we should uh, seek out a partnership with one of the app-based or telephone-based psychological services so we could actually say like, hey. I just made a note to do that. That's so weird. <laughs> uh, because there are ways that you can yeah. do this in the privacy of your own home, you know, like without having to leave your house, without having to be face to face with someone and talk to a certified counselor or therapist yeah. that will help you figure out how to take your power back from the situation, how to become a survivor instead of a victim. Yeah. And I mean, um, I think counseling is a very important part of that process. And whether that's in person or whether it's over an app, you know, um, is totally up to you. Um, but finding somebody that you trust that you can work through these things with is, um, going to be pivotal in being able to recover from that and to, um, feel like you want to move forward. There are some strategies that I do want to talk about in terms of prevention in this level. First of all, it is never your fault, right? And that I think that's the most important thing that we can say across all of these. Um, but there are some things, some basic things that they don't 
teach people, I think, early enough, especially when it starts coming down to like drugs, alcohol, and people who are coercive about sex as well. Um, we have an co- episode that's coming up in a couple of weeks uh, where we're going to be talking about like, is this rape or is this not rape? Because there's this whole conversation about coercive sex. And is it coercive if I don't explicitly say no, or if I had too much to drink, right? Um, and the answer is, I mean, we'll talk more explicitly about like the the areas that people assume are gray there. Um, but it's really important for us to talk about some strategies. So if you are somebody who's drinking alcohol, like regardless of your age, there are a lot of things that you should do to be safer, right? And we're not telling you to go out and drink, right? Especially if you're underage, it's illegal and we don't want you to have a criminal record. But if you choose to engage in, in drinking behaviors, uh, there are some things that you should do, um, like always get your own drink, never accept a drink from someone else, never put your drink down, keep your hand on top of your drink. And if you have any suspicions about your drink whatsoever at any point, don't drink it. I mean, alcohol is one of the top ways that people, uh, uh, alcohol and sexual assault go hand in hand. It's one of the top kind of correlates of it or ways that it's connected. Um, If you're new to drinking, be really careful with how much you drink as well. Don't drink shots, drink lots of water, limit yourself. And it's really important when you start drinking is that when you have a drink, sometimes it can take, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours for you to feel the effect. And sometimes we see young people who are drinking drink a whole lot all at once thinking, oh, I'm fine. You know, I had a couple tequila shots and a beer and I feel totally fine. Yeah, you feel fine at first because it takes a while for the alcohol to get into your body. So go. If you are going to drink, go really, really, really slow. Make sure that you have friends there right? And make sure that you drink lots of water in between every drink. And I mean, I would say don't do shots. Just just don't do shots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, these are great things to keep in mind, you know, always. Um, and always just being really aware of um, of your own actions and what you're doing and also how um, other people could try to um, manipulate you. And that's what Andrew's talking about, where someone could try to put something in your drink. And um, and unfortunately, that does happen quite a lot. And so that is like a real thing to be on the lookout for and to make sure that you are not even allowing that opportunity for that to happen. And I don't I don't like placing any responsibility on, um, us as individuals. Like it should, it should be that, um, no one ever commits a crime. That's the ideal world. But, um, but because that's not where we live, um, we need to take as many precautions as we can as well, um, just to, to help ourselves out. And again, that doesn't mean it's your fault if somebody put something in your drink and you didn't see it. Um, but, but taking away as many opportunities as possible will also serve you well. Right. And we're, I'm only talking about alcohol today, right? We're going to be talking about some of the other aspects uh, of of criminality that goes on when someone forces sex on another person. Um, but all of these can cause lasting damage and lasting trauma. And in all of these situations, it is our recommendation to you to get professional help, 
right? And you can do it with an app, you can do it online. Um, I think one of the best uh, outcomes that we see for people is when they go to uh, peer groups where it's a bunch of survivors who get together, who share their experiences and support each other. There's lots of different ways. Um, and if you have questions about that, you can send us a DM and we'll get back to you and give you some specific resources, something that's in your area too. Um, but uh, very different from the first half of our show where we're talking about, <laughs> you know, like simple things that are common that happen and that you can take control of and you can deal with and you can make better. This whole criminal section, like Spring said, it is never your fault. And it's unfortunate that we live in a world where, I mean, if I went on, I could talk about strategies for, you know, three hours. But uh, we'll talk more about those um, in an episode coming up in a few weeks. Yeah. Anything else that you want to say about these, Spring? Not about that, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so let's get to, you know, overall, whether no matter what caused any type of trauma, um, and if you're thinking about, you know, you're ready to move on, what are just some overall recommendations we have? Like once you've done some reflection, you've examined this, maybe you've had some conversations, what can we do to get ready to go again? Wow. I mean, it's this is one of those times where I wish the question that was submitted had specific context because it's so broad. There's so many things that it could be. But first of all, um, like if you think you're ready to go again, it's important to talk to your partner and tell them that you had a previous sexual trauma and that you want to, you know, like, I want to be intimate. I want to share my thing with you. Let's go have some fun together and talk about the situation with them before, like not 10 minutes before sex, because then it's going to cause anxiety, but talk to them like, Hey, so this happened to my past. I'm really interested in you being open about your trauma in the past. And you know what? I can guarantee you that if you start talking about, you know, the first time you had sex, it was uncomfortable or there was anxiety or guilt or it hurt or you couldn't get it up or you came too quick or you couldn't, whatever it is, that other person is going to come back with the, oh yeah, the first time I had sex. Um, so it's just starting that conversation. If all of us in society were honest about the first time we had sex, it would be, uh, I mean, this question wouldn't even exist anymore because we get rid of the vast majority of that trauma because it would just become expected and normal and almost kind of funny. Um, yeah. I don't want to think, you know, that's just like a good like topic to bring up with somebody, you know, when you're dating, like that's like one of those things that you can do with them is let's talk about the first time we had sex. Like, and it doesn't, you don't even have to frame it. Like I had trauma the first time be like, let's talk about the first time we had sex. Like, what was yours? Like, what was mine? Like, you know, and like kind of comparing and like getting through that and like, how did, how did you feel afterward? And how did, how did you like, what were changes you wanted to think about for the future? Like, and just having it be, that conversation like it's it's not anything to actually get worried about like that's a fun and um engaging conversation to have with somebody and there's a lot of humor involved as well especially like as you move on a little bit and you've done that reflection you're like that was actually pretty funny right <laughs> like, yeah I, I mean and I love the stories that people tell uh, as well. Like when people start talking about the first time they have sex in retrospect, a little bit later, once they've processed that trauma a little bit. Um, I mean, for me, the tip this week, my tip is you learn from it, right? The most important thing to do if you've had any kind of like non-criminal traumatic sex the first time is that, you know, none of us start 
none of us are great at sex at the start. It's a skill set that we learn and we get better at. And you take it as a lesson learned and you learn to laugh about it. And then you have a really funny story to tell people eventually, too. Like, it's a great conversation starter or ender if you need it to do that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What's your tip today, Spring? Yeah, my tip is to... um... I, I was going to say laugh it off. And I mean, and that is, um, I, I will actually say that for any of these things that you're trying to get through, because um, there is some real power in like finding the comedy in it. And so even if it feels like something so traumatic, um, find a way to actually laugh at the trauma, like laugh that like, isn't that silly that like I have some trauma about this, you know what I mean? And it is, you know, just saying, and like you can, and you can sit there and go, ha, 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 and like, and, <laughs> and like as you, <laughs> okay, see, so what happens when you start to do a fake laugh, it actually starts to like bring up some real laughter. And laughter is actually healing. So like I'm looking for, you know, all of these ways that you heal this and uh, and how can I um, think of creative ways and fun ways and these easy ways to help heal and laughing is great. So like if you can take a moment to like even visualize that trauma, visualize that fear and then like make it look silly in your mind and, <laughs> and like and then actually start to laugh at it. <laughs> I mean, it goes back to the whole sex is this weird, kind of funny smelly messy like bodies that are oddly shaped flopping around in weird ways it's pretty funny to start with i mean and i think a lot of the the anxiety a lot of these issues come from people expecting sex to look like it does a porn where those are professional people whose whole whole jobs are about or in a rom-com or oh yeah exactly rom-com where it's like this perfect look anyway that's not what sex is everybody is very different (laughs) all right so if you have any follow-up questions or anything else that you want to talk about with this episode just let us know or any other questions about love or relationships or sexual health um you can uh send us your questions via email where the sex wrap at gmail.com you can uh call us at 413 i wrap it and you can find us on social media you should check out our instagram twitter and facebook at the sex wrap thanks for listening everyone just wrap us Bye. <laughs> for everything that you were too afraid to ask at home too embarrassed to ask at school or just too af- Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.